Grace, mercy, and peace be yours in the name of God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. The section of the Bible which will serve as a basis for the sermon today is the Old Testament lesson from Genesis chapter 45, read earlier, where Joseph spoke these words to his brother. Now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Dear friends in Christ, it was a good number of years ago now that there was a rabbi by the name of Harold Kushner who wrote a New York Times bestseller, one that was on the list for just about a year. It was titled, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Now, sometimes I do think that a good title gets you on the way to a bestseller, and this, I think, is one of those cases, because, I mean, really, how often is it when bad things happen to good people that we think, well, that's just not fair, or where is God, or why did this happen? And we want an explanation. We want someone to tell us, and we tend to listen if somebody is offering us an answer. Or in this case, we tend to buy books in the hundreds of thousands. We want to know. Now, I bring this up here to you today because we have an Old Testament lesson, which is the culmination of a story where very bad things happen to a good person, if you will. Do you remember the story of Joseph? Do you remember this one? It's quite the story in the Old Testament. It takes up several chapters of scripture. What happened, just in case you don't recall, is that Joseph had some insanely jealous brothers who decided that they needed to just get rid of Joseph. And they sold him into slavery in Egypt. It's actually one of my favorite funny lines in all of scripture, where his brothers, who are insanely jealous, this is what they do. They actually say, let's kill him. And then they say, no, let's actually sell him into slavery. He is our brother after all. What brothers? I, I love this here. This is good. Well, anyhow, they concoct a story and they tell their dad that Joseph was mauled by an animal and killed. And then for Joseph, things go from bad to worse. Because not only have your brothers sold you into slavery in a foreign land, while he was there, he was falsely accused of having an affair with a powerful official's wife. An affair, by the way, which he refused to have. And then he was thrown into prison. Now think that through. For being faithful to God, now he's in an Egyptian prison where he is basically forgotten, languishing for years. You can only imagine the physical and emotional and the spiritual suffering. And you have to think that Joseph was wondering, why is this happening? We're in the midst of a story here, are we not, when bad things happen to good people? Well, wouldn't you know, God did give to Joseph this one special gift, and that was the ability to interpret dreams. And at the same time, Pharaoh, who was running the land of Egypt, he was having these terrible dreams that he could not understand. He was troubled by them. What was happening in his dreams is that there were seven slim, seven gaunt cows, and that they were then eating and devouring seven fat and healthy cows. 
Now, I can't blame Pharaoh for being troubled. If your dreams are characterized by cow attacks, you talk to somebody. You want to know what's happening here. And then one of Pharaoh's servants remembered, hey, I was in prison once with a guy named Joseph, and he knows how to interpret dreams. So then Pharaoh then brought then Joseph up out of prison into his court, and there Joseph interpreted the dream for Pharaoh, the ruler of all Egypt. He said, this is what it means. Those seven fat, healthy Wisconsin cows, they represent, if you will, seven abundant years of harvest to come. And then those seven skinny skim milk cows, they represent the famine that is to follow. And so he told Joseph to store, sold Pharaoh to store up then the food for the, from the seven abundant years. And Pharaoh did. He then had food for everyone in Egypt, including all the land. Pharaoh made Joseph then second in command for all of Egypt. Everything had turned around, which brings us then to the punchline of this story. And that's our Old Testament lesson. What happens during those seven years of the skinny cow, the famine? There was no food, and Joseph's brothers had to travel to Egypt. And of course, they had to buy some food to live. And who is it that they need to buy food from? But Joseph. And Joseph was there, and we might think, what a great time for revenge. He has all the power and all the right as well to punish his brothers. But instead, Joseph forgave his brothers, really foreshadowing the amazing forgiveness that we have in Jesus Christ. And then something else happened as well. Remember our sermon? When bad things happen to good people, I want you to listen to what Joseph specifically said to his brothers. Listen to this. His brothers, of course, worried that they're about to be just stomped on. Joseph says, now don't be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. It was not you who sent me here, but God. Huh. You take a look at this story and you begin to see, is it possible that even in the midst of great evil, God actually has a plan? A plan that resulted in the saving of thousands upon thousands of life. And Joseph was given this amazing insight, if you will, not just dreams, but this insight that is so often elusive to us as we live by faith, where you have the story of great evils. I mean, selling your brother into slavery in Egypt, being languished and just left to languish in prison. And yet Joseph sees that somehow in God's amazing working, it was not you who sent me here, but God to save lives. That God has a plan, a plan of grace and life. Now, does this mean that his brothers are off the hook, that they're not responsible? 
No, absolutely not. They, and by the way, all of us are absolutely responsible for our actions. You don't get to punch somebody in the face and say, well, God meant that to happen for your good. No, that's not how that works. In fact, if there's any good that comes out of that, it might be that you're sent to jail to learn a lesson not to punch people. But what we do see here is that somehow, some way, in the midst of things that are absolutely evil and wrong, God still has a gracious plan of life. And man, do we need to cling to that today. Do we ever? I mean, Joseph got to see it. He actually got to see it. I can see how God is actually bringing good out of the evil that happened to me. But sometimes when we experience evil, it's just evil. You lose a loved one suddenly in an accident. Well, what good is that? I don't see any good. I don't see any plan here. The world that we live in today, maybe the best I can describe it is that we live in a world that has divorced itself from God and from the truth. We have people actually demonizing the folks that do speak the truth. And there's no good in that. I don't see a plan. This just is all wrong. We have a society today where so many people are living in poverty and despair and without hope. Things like human trafficking even happening in Minnesota of all places. There's no good in that. This is just evil. And then we want an answer. God, I don't see a plan, I don't see any love, I don't see any power, I don't see any of this. And then we're right back to Rabbi Kushner's book wondering, why do these things happen to good people? I want an answer. And at those times, though, we are called to live by faith because we do not see. Faith that God does have a good and gracious plan even in the midst of evil. And you can look at the story of Joseph and you can actually see it, but I'm going to suggest there's one other place that you absolutely need to look to be able to see that truth. You know what that place is? It's the cross. Have you ever looked at the cross that way? I mean, what happened at the cross? What happened at the cross was the greatest evil this world has ever seen. That the very Son of God, the Son of God that was sent into this world was betrayed, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was humiliated, he was crucified, the Son of God. Nails sent through his body and lifted up. What could be more evil than this? And yet... While the forces of evil were cheering in a derisive victory, when a strange darkness came over all the land in the middle of the day, there was God bringing the greatest good this world has ever known in his son. That at that time, all of the sins that condemn us, God forgave them all. That at that cross, God was accomplishing pardon and peace with him for you and me. There is a sure sign we all now have that just as Jesus' arms were wide open, if you will, those arms are an embrace of love around you and me, that God's love is absolutely certain in all things. 
And in your baptism, God took those arms and he wrapped them around you and said, you're mine and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he invites you up to this table and he says, I'm with you. All the blessings of the cross, if you will, poured out and in you in baptism at this table. It's all there in Jesus Christ that nothing can separate us from him. He brought the greatest good this world has ever known, including our salvation, out of what looked like pure evil when a darkness settled over the land. And he's even given us a promise that this evil will not last forever, but there will be a new heaven and new earth when he returns. And he has prepared a place for you with him in heaven where sin and evil can touch you no longer. There's a gracious plan at work. And it's all found in the cross of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we cling to him in faith in the midst of even every evil. Now that's good news, but I have just one more thing for you here today. One more thing when we talk about when bad things happen to people. Now you notice I didn't say when bad things happen to good people, I just said when bad things happen to people. Does it ever strike you as strange that when we talk about this, when we talk about you know, when bad things happen to good people, that we're the same people who come to church on Sunday and we say things like, I justly deserve your present and eternal punishment to God in our confession of sin. In other words, do you want to categorize yourself before a holy God as a, quote, good person? Do you want to say to God, I'm a good person, and you gave me bad things when I deserve good things because I'm good. Does anyone want to try to have that conversation with God? I'm going to put my hand down. I don't even like raising it a little bit for that one. There's a Christian finance advisor who has a show, radio show by the name of Dave Ramsey. And whenever he's asked how he's doing, he always has this patented response. This is how he always responds. I'm going to say, how you doing? And he says, better than I deserve. He's a Christian man through and through. He says, better than I deserve. And that's to say, everything in my life is a, that's good is a gift from God's grace. Not because I'm so awesome. And so we have a prayer. Our prayer is something like this. God, though I am undeserving, shower me with your grace in the name of your son, Jesus. If we were to write a book, we would not write a book titled, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Do you know what our book would be? Our book would be, Why Do Good Things Happen for Sinful People? And then we'd write an entire book about Jesus, page after page of Jesus. Look what Jesus has done. Look who Jesus is for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Every blessing we have is Jesus and it's by grace. And it fills our hearts with thanksgiving then in life. We don't need Rabbi Kushner. We have a fellow by the name of Martin Luther who wrote this thing called the Small Catechism. And in that first article of the Creed, 
It talks about all the good things you have in your life. And think about for a second all the good things you have in your life. And this is what he wrote. All this God does for us, these good gifts, out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me, for all this it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. And then those last few words, this is most certainly true. Ah, yeah, we have this. So as I close, Rabbi Kushner, he wrote that best-selling book with, by the way, a terrible message. The whole point of his book was to say that God is loving but not all-powerful. So when bad things happen to good people, it's just because God really doesn't have control of events. He advised his readers to learn to love God and, by the way, to forgive God for his limitations. That was the book. But we have the God of Scripture, the God of Joseph, the God of the cross, which means that when evil things happen, do this. Call them evil. They're evil. Just call an evil thing what it is. But then trust in God and pray to God just as we do. Deliver us from evil and trust that he does in Jesus Christ and at his cross. That we have a God who brings light even out of the darkest darkness. Good from evil. One who has called us out of the darkness of sin and death into his marvelous light. And he has a plan. A plan that ends in your salvation. You with him in heaven forever. That's our God. And so in the name of Jesus, amen. And may the peace of God surpass us all understanding. Watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.